Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Layover Podcast. I'm your host, Nika Julia. And no, I can't believe it, but we are officially moving into March next week. So if you're not subscribed already to our newsletter, go to layover.com and just type in your email. We will be discussing on today's newsletter, actually, what the theme should be for next month. So there are a couple options. If you're already subscribed, you will have the ability to vote. But without further ado, in episode 32, Chineze shares a beautiful story about the arduous journey to choosing and cherishing her body and blackness. I hope you all enjoy episode 32 of the Layover Podcast, Hallowed Be Thy Frame. Sunday mornings were for worship, stained glass windows, indistinct chatter floating in from the hallways, itchy dresses, and glossy block-heeled shoes purposely bought a size up so I could grow into them. Every week, we would enter the sanctuary of St. Somebody's Episcopal Church, where the creaking pews announced our late arrival as we slid past neatly folded legs, found our place among the congregation, and joined in the chorus of hallelujahs. I spent most services entertained by my own thoughts, following every whim of my imagination and wondering how many more amens stood between me and those powdered donuts in the lobby. Occasionally, I would take cues from the crowd for when to bow my head in prayer. Some mornings, I hid my head in my mother's lap and allowed the soft murmur of unified voices lull me to sleep. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. There was one particular Sunday that I remember as one of the first times that I had paid attention throughout the entire service. It was the first time I remember thinking, God might actually be real, and if he is, then his presence beyond the clouds is somehow affecting all of life here below. And that may be, like any cartoon or fairy tale I was obsessed with at the time, wishes could come true if you were one of the lucky ones. The pastor, in preparing to end service, closed out his sermon by reminding us, Saints, whatever you ask God for, if you believe him with your whole heart, he will grant it to you. And those words stayed with me, followed me the whole car ride home. They clung to the fabric of my Sunday's best, even more stubborn and indelible than the powdered sugar that had crumbled into the creases of my dress. Believe with your whole heart, I thought. Just believe with your whole heart. At some point that afternoon, during that sacred hour after lunch, when the whole neighborhood seemed to be asleep, I quietly slipped away into my bedroom and locked the door behind me. The golden Georgia sun had spilled in through the curtains and made a mess all over the floor, and as I stood in the light, I tilted my head towards heaven, clenched my fists tight as if to brace my body for a miracle, and I prayed, God, if you are real, Please make me white. Never mind candy, an infinite amount of toys, or any of the other things a child asks for. My prayer was marked with an awareness and cynicism that surpassed my years. I couldn't have been more than four or five years old at the time. A black girl in the deep south with skin the color of regret, hair as wild as a cloud of smoke, and a name that tangled up too often on people's tongues. 
I don't remember when the idea that being black and in this body was somehow wrong first invaded my psyche, but I do remember that when I opened my eyes to meet skin still dark, I was overwhelmed by disappointment, humiliation, because even then I knew it was a shameful thing to have wanted. Even then I felt betrayed, like God had made a mistake about me. He had given me skin the color of an old bruise, and being black was the punchline of a cruel inside joke, an invisibility cloak that excluded one from being seen as worthy or desirable. By the time I reached middle school, I'd already attended my own funeral several times over. I was always mourning the loss of a life I would never have. I wondered if I was alone or if self-hatred was every black girl's rite of passage. I marveled at the girls who wore their blackness with grace. Dancing over top of the weights of accusation and scrutiny, I was staggering beneath. I was always wishing, always wilting, always willing myself into extinction. And the wild thing about it all is that I don't remember my childhood as a mostly unhappy one. In old photo albums and home videos, I still see the girl with spunk and spark, the mischief, the indomitable hope. It was as if those thoughts I had towards my body had embedded themselves so deep in my subconscious that they just became normal for me, as routine as any of the other prayers I'd memorized as a child. Somewhere along the line, I'd come to a sort of resolve. I was black. There was no changing that. My body and the judgment it invited from others was simply the hand I had been dealt in life. Oftentimes, and for obvious reasons, we are told as women that we are more than our bodies, but I believe that we are our bodies too. There are so many experiences that this body has brought me that has shaped who I am beyond it. And so I started being honest about those experiences and deliberately healing from those experiences and declaring truths that the little girl in me would have needed to survive, would have needed to salve the wounds of her rejection. And the more that I spoke up, the more I found other voices joining in this new chorus. A few years ago, I began photographing and interviewing Black women in my community about their earliest lessons about beauty and the truths that were shaping their ever-evolving relationships with themselves. We shared stories about our first perms, our first big chops, and then second big chops, and then third big chops, stories about our full lips and hips that never quite filled in, stories about how our bodies had been ridiculed, had fallen ill and recovered, had carried life and survived all kinds of deaths, stories about our faith, which had once been dismembered, and our audacious revival, how we had been loved into freedom, how we now loved ourselves how we finally came to see ourselves wholly, to witness our being made whole. I vow to love my body. I vow to steward this vessel well, to listen to it. When my bones warn me to slow down and my belly asks to be nourished, when my shoulders want for an embrace and my scars rehearse to me stories of all those times that I denied fear its appetite and chose bravery instead. If I could somehow trespass time to meet my childhood self, 
I would testify to her that God is still in the business of recovering sight to the blind. I was a witness to my own black girl miracle, my eyes finally able to see him in my midst. I would promise her that the faith that once stung with betrayal would years later come back to disciple her into freedom. I would teach her to recognize glory in her image, a black girl with skin the color of soil, hair as wild as her dreams and a name that even angels hearken to. I would lead her in a new prayer. I would sing for her a new song. Dear black girl, who is art and is home for heaven, hallowed be thy frame. Thank you all so much for listening to episode 32 of the Layover Podcast. To find more from Chineze, she is on Instagram at C-H-I-N-E-Z-E-X-O. And it is the same handle for Twitter, twitter.com slash C-H-I-N-E-Z-E-X-O. As always, I appreciate you all so much for listening. If you love the podcast, make sure to subscribe, like, comment. If you're not already subscribed to our newsletter, go to thelayover.com and we will be announcing March's theme this Sunday. So be sure to go to thelayover.com slash submit to submit your story. Can't wait to see you all next week.